This is a Federal News Network original podcast. The Defense Intelligence Agency is also trying to get to Mars. Not that Mars, though. Mars for the DIA stands for Machine Assisted Analytic Rapid Repository System. Its goal is for what it calls comprehensive dynamic picture of enemy operations. Well, joining me in studio for what this is really all about, the Mars Technical Director, Terry Bush. Mr. Bush, good to have you in. Good day. Thanks for having me. So what is Mars for the people that are just listening? So essentially Mars is an information environment. Uh, If you think about what the Defense Intelligence Agency does, right, it provides intelligence information. So if you're an analyst, that may be a report or something you read, you hand across a desk. But for much of the military, they consume intelligence and data and information. This is what feeds those cockpit displays and those military systems and gives that comprehension of what we call the battle space. Traditionally, this has been done with data, but it's been done under a construct that was not augmented or supported by this Internet of Things or the sensor-driven web that we live with today. So that revolution has sort of forced or enabled this change to expand that concept. Our comprehension of that space has grown tremendously simply by the availability of the information. So you have big data, you have the Internet of Things, you have Elastic Cloud, Mm -hmm. and then you have some way of synthesizing all of this. Yes, yeah, so Mars has to do that synthesis. We we think of it as this fusion of information. Uh, it would be great if all that information were absolutely pristine and perfect, but we live in a world of imperfect knowledge. So a lot of this is bringing together of information into a coherent understanding that's very, very accurate so that what we're providing is the highest possible standard because it's going in these systems and it has to be known good when it arrives. And let me look at this from the big picture standpoint. The Defense Department is pursuing cloud computing on a number of fronts and for a number of purposes. And there is a new doctrine that we are in great powers competition. And then there is also the need expressed by all of the military service leaders and some of the fourth estate leaders that we need to have a more digital and comprehensive way of getting information to warfighters and to planners and to people that need that situational awareness. How does this fit into all of that? The, the first thing is the, the, the great thing about the cloud computing environment is it's scaleless computing. All that information, which we used to have to only take a semblance of that, some representation of that, is now something we can bring together. Not necessarily something we're going to give out to the world, but at least we have the provenance, the history, the understanding of where it all came from, right? We don't run out of room in our compute space any longer. That enables us to do a lot more with information than we could do before. It allows us to do AI quality analysis. It allows us to make intelligence assessments and do automation in ways that we hadn't conceived of 10 or 15 years ago. Is the goal for this program a kind of blank that could be adopted, say, by the Air Force and the Army and the Navy to populate with data that they need? Or do you see this as a single environment that would be downloaded, so to speak, by everyone? No, we we definitely think that. What's happening is with a lot of our modern equipment is they are also sensing. They have sensors aboard too. Uh, historically, this has been a one-way communication. But in the future, this is bisynchronous. We are receiving back from the field and also returning to the field information. So Mars has to synthesize in very rapid order that relationship. And that has to be facilitated across, as you can imagine, hundreds and hundreds of systems across all the services that are out there. So each service would have Mars running, and then you would populate it, again, I'm using a vague word, but with data that is needed for that particular situation at that moment. Yes, absolutely. And that's the complexity of it, because those situations are 
variable. Some In some situations, we're talking about a naval surface ship, which has a limited ability to communicate, and its other communications are more important than some of the things we're doing. Or you have a, a deployed unit, which has a very limited ability to communicate. So Mars has to project information in that environment, right? It can't just we can't just exist in a cloud state. We have to exist in both states simultaneously and provide that level of interoperability. Uh, that's the complicating part of Mars. We're speaking with Terry Bush. He is the technical director of the Machine Assisted Analytic Rapid Recovery System at the Defense Intelligence Agency, or Mars. And also, in a given situation, you have variable and fixed information. To go back to the ship model, mm-hmm. you have shells and guns that the qualities and quantities are known. It can fire this far and, and hit this type of target, and it can't go any further, and it goes this fast. And then you have all the variable information of what is happening in a battle or simulated situation. So you seem – how do you inculcate both sets of data? It, it's, it's the complicated part. Some of this is creating interoperability in very thin models, right? The data has to interchange between complicated systems. So we can't have complicated data models. Often say is we can't handle that – you can't hand over a through-ring binder and say, here's the thing you have to implement. It has to be easily understood. And that's the great thing. Modern computing allows for that kind of interoperability. And where there's a lack of information in the data exchange, we can then train and learn on that without forcing the downstream, more denied customer or stakeholder to have to do that process. So the Mars enables that information exchange and then takes on the burden of learning about all the rest of the data. And do you envision it someday running, say, in the Combat Information Center as well as on a mobile device that a warfighter might be having very close to the action? Absolutely. It's it, For us, everything is a global enterprise. This data has to be projected globally to everywhere the Department of Defense operates today. So that's a key component. And in those locations, you have some systems moving to autonomy and you have some systems still in a legacy state. We have to support both of the older world that we're used to um, because they're limited in what their technology capability, what they literally can bring with them, plus those autonomous systems that are being built and developed right now. So it's a very diverse set of stakeholders that Mars supports. And how does this work as a program? Are you developing things? Are you having contractors develop things? And how many people are involved? Tell us about that aspect. Sure. So a couple things are going on right now. One is we're spending a year before we start looking at industry best practices, doing piloting with industry, and also looking at large agile software design. This is a big program, right? So this is not going to be run in a traditional waterfall methodology. We've seen a lot of technology developed over the years. Instead, this is much like an app on your iPhone. Well, you'll get a capability that will continually improve and grow and interact with the stakeholder and the users to add functionality over time. In a sense, we call it continuous improvement and delivery. We never stop building, right? We're in a continuous growth mode with the technology. And is there any private sector model that comes close to the comprehensive type of information you want to integrate into Mars? There are various consumer models. There's no one good fit. Uh, wh- what I would say is this represents more of a retail model where you have a, a complex set of things that, that, that stakeholders are interacting with. Uh, then that set of things is ever growing and changing, right? So as, as new components and capabilities, new information comes online, you're enriching that experience. But that experience is very much a transactional one. The data is leaving Mars and going into the hands of a stakeholder. 
And do you have government employee developers in the Mars program? And do you also use contractors? Tell us about that We do. We have both. We have government employees. We have contractors. uh, We also um, have industry consulting and doing piloting with us. So one of the things we're doing this year is looking at best in breed of technology as a way to understand, you know, try before you buy. Uh, That's what we're doing in piloting. And it gives us a better uh, comprehension of the state of industry before we commit to a long-term project. And in the agile spirit, do you have people from the military branches feeding in their information and feedback as you develop? Yes, absolutely. So that is uh, occurring. First, with some of the larger providers, the the other people who provide intelligence data out there, the the other part of the intelligence community, then those uh, DOD stakeholders that are out there, and we can go further, further down at some point. You get all the way down to some sensor in a nose cone of aircraft. We want that data to come back to the national system so that we all are seeing and taking advantage of what's being collected out there. So you have a cloud and you also have a big connectivity issue too. Right. So a lot of this is compute at the edge. Uh, So what what has to happen is is we have to get the compute to the edge so you can take advantage of the system and, and, and create a system of replication so the data is always there and not always current. We always are on the risk of losing that connectivity. Somebody steps on the wire, right? If somebody steps on the wire and we lose the connectivity, we want to make sure that we broke at that moment of time, and the second we reconnect, we catch up, right? So we refer to this as speed of mission connectivity. And how far along is this, and when will there be something that you can deliver and say this module is ready for ATO approval? So we... Uh, we're piloting in 19. We begin in 2020. So in the federal calendar, that's in, in October. And the first modules will begin to come out about six months later. Those first minimum viable capabilities will come in the spring through the fall of next year. We have set up a, a, a sort of um, scheduled delivery, even though we're agile, of what areas of this we want to attack. And that's mostly based on data availability readiness of, of that technology to deploy. There are other far-reaching areas as we get into cyber and other areas of, of providing this kind of intelligence that are going to take us longer to develop. And you said you have Agile, but you also have a schedule. Agile actually enables better scheduling than, a, than Waterfall. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The efficiency over time. And, and at DIA, we have been developing big data technology in, in small-scale Agile setting, meaning individual functions for things for the last five or six years. So we've gotten some experience. This is doing it at a much bigger scale than we have done uh, previously. Terry Bush is Technical Director of the Machine Assisted Analytic Rapid Repository System, MARS, at the Defense Intelligence Agency. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.